Blog Talk Radio. Between the Lines, where each week we talk with authors and publishing industry professionals. I'm your host, Joshua Graham, and I'd like to take a moment to invite you to connect with us on our website, which is www.dialoguebtl.com. That's dialoguebtl, as in between the lines, dialoguebtl.com. Now, today we're excited to have with us New York Times bestselling author Terry Blackstock, who, with over 6 million copies of her books, sold worldwide, is the winner of two Carol Awards, a Christian Retailer's Choice Award, and a Romantic Times Book Reviewer's Career Achievement Award, among others. She has had over 25 years of success as as a novelist. Recent books include her acclaimed Intervention series, um, which include Intervention, Vicious Cycle, and Downfall. Other recent favorites include Shadow in Serenity, Predator, and Double Mind and the Restoration series, the New Point 911 series, and the Kate Refuge series, and the Suncoast Chronicle series. That's a lot of series, and you can see why she's got so many copies of her books sold all over the world. You can learn about her and all these amazing books on her website, www.terryblackstock.com. So um, without further ado, we'd like to welcome Terry to our show. Terry? Hi, Joshua. Hi, we are on the air, and it's great to have you with us. How are you today? It's it's I'm great. It's good to be here. Well, thanks so much for joining us. I, I know that we made contact a, a little while ago, and we were eagerly anticipating this chance because you're you're such a well-known author in in in, in the industry, and I've been admiring your books for for some time now. Being a, a thriller writer and and um, somebody who's very interested in the same similar genres. Um, now, in the past, you've written romance novels under a couple of pen names for publishers such as HarperCollins, Harlequin, um, Dell, and Silhouette. But something happened that prompted you to make a change. Can you tell us about this change? Right. Uh, yeah, I I went into the romance market uh, when I was about 25, I, and I sold my first book there. And you know, I had I had been to college to learn about you know how to be a writer and how to write a novel and i kind of turned my nose up at romance novels but um when i got out of college i i got into a group where people were actually uh making a living writing and so i learned the business through that and and eventually i realized that i liked romance because i could write about relationships not just male female but you know father, daughter, and mother, you know, all of that. So um, I wound up uh, writing my first romance novel, and I sold it to Silhouette. And um, I was a Christian at that time, and I told myself that I was just going to write clean love stories. But what happened was that those books didn't sell very well, and in the interest of fame and fortune, I began to compromise, and I started putting a little more sex, a little more sex, and until finally um, the books were just like all the other books out there, and they did sell better, but 
um, it really took its toll on my spiritual life. And I sold 32 books in that um, market, um, and they many of them were bestsellers, and they did really well. And um, I was writing for you know all those publishers you mentioned, um, but I was just miserable. And um, I finally came to the place about 13 years into that part of my career where I literally got down on my knees and repented and and asked God to to turn things around so that I was using my gift for his glory. And um, from that point on, I started writing suspense because that's what I was reading at the time. And um, I, I came and I researched the Christian market and found out, you know, kind of how to break in in, in this market. And at the time, suspense wasn't even a genre that was viable in this market. Um but it just happened that people were, the publishers were interested in it at that time. And um, I came in at exactly the right time. And so I was one of the first to have suspense novels in the Christian market. And they've just, uh, you know, God, it was as if the minute I took a step, God took me the rest of the way. You know, I just had to go out on faith and and make that commitment to God. And he just sort of, uh, laid out the path for the rest of the, my career. Well, that's that's an amazing story, uh, it, and it kind of really exemplifies um, what Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three about seeking His kingdom and righteousness first, and then He'll add everything else that you need to. You. Absolutely, and I I really didn't know if I would be able to continue writing. I thought that I was tainted, and and that um, you know other Christian publishers probably wouldn't be interested in what I was writing. Um, but that was not the case. You know, we're a people of second chances, and um, anyone who who knows Christ knows that he he does give many chances. And and um, the publishers saw my his my past as a, a a testimony. You know, and so I was able to move into this market and began selling suspense novels and. I've been with Zondervan ever since. They they uh, bought my first four books, which were Sun, the Suncoast Chronicle series, and um, have been writing for them ever since, with a few little forays with other publishers. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, for those of our listeners uh, who who are not familiar with the Christian fiction genre, Zondervan is not only a Christian fiction publisher. I mean, they're just a, a publisher of, of many books uh, and uh, Bibles and nonfiction books as well. They're one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Christian uh, publication uh, publisher there, there is. So to be right. uh, writing for that publisher company, uh, working with them is, is huge. And you've pretty much pioneered the 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 field of Christian fiction or Christian uh, in the suspense genre. So you've been with it since it's uh, since it started taking off. Now, um, how would you describe the difference in, in working in the in the Christian fiction field, uh, with I mean, can you show us some contrast between? Sure. With oh, you mm-hmm. know, when I was in the in the uh, romance market, the general market, um, you know, I whenever I would try to put something spiritual in my books, and and I often did because I was a Christian, um, I would have it edited out, and uh-huh. you know, I couldn't use the word Jesus unless it was a, a curse word, you know, and. Things like that were really limiting to me, and they just, 
I just was getting burnt out because it was not what God gave me this gift for. And when I began writing the Christian fiction, I really felt free. And, you know, people think that going into the Christian market, I would probably feel very limited. But it was just the opposite. I finally felt free to really talk about my worldview and you know, at the time, um, it was a real growth period for me because, you know, giving that career up and, and moving into a market where I was able to really um, use my Christianity in a way that was fruitful um, was a real growth period for me because I was able to, uh, I then, you know, really focused on growing as a Christian because I felt such responsibility if I was writing about that. And, and you know, at the same time, I wanted to write a great story, and I, I really learned what I had, the craft that I had learned in the romance market, I was able to bring into suspense and just write fast-paced thrillers that, you know, hopefully keep readers turning the pages. And they don't have to be Christians to read my books. I have... You know, a lot of people who pick them up at the libraries or uh, just pick them up in bookstores and, and don't even realize they're Christian books. But I get letters from them, and they, they like the books anyway, and, and hopefully they're influenced, you know, to, to look toward Christ um, because that is my ultimate goal. That's wonderful. And I, I think that um, many Christian writers uh, share that same goal and, and aspiration that, they don't just write books that entertain people, but actually, you know, give them something of, of value or, or deepens their thought and even, you know, gives them a chance to look at our faith without uh, the prejudices that come with it. Because we are in a society right now which, unfortunately, you know, doesn't look too kindly, at least in the mass media, at, at Christianity. But um, I think what you're doing is wonderful because where you're showing, you're showing people this side of the faith that, um, you know, isn't as we would say, colored by, you know, um, people's preconceived notions. Now, right. Um, yeah. and, and I just really feel very strongly about presenting Christians as real people with real problems and some of the same problems that, that unbelievers have. Um, you know, I don't paint a rosy picture. I don't think any of us have already arrived, you know, at... <laughs> at perfection. Um, so I like to write about flawed Christians who have, in many cases, have messed up, and they're thrown into a crisis. And, you know, it comes out, uh, at, they grow through this this character arc that I have for them and the, the danger that they're in. And at the end, you know, they come out um, having learned something about God and themselves and um, they don't, they're not necessarily converted, um, but but I'm able to really show principles about God's grace and redemption, um, you know, through these dangerous situations that they're in. That's wonderful, and, and you know, we would all love to be able to relate with our characters, and hopefully, not. I mean, in even the in the mass public right now, the the whole concept out there is that we should try to be accepting of others even though they're different and all that and the hope is that people will apply that to Christians too because absolutely that's true everybody except Christians because we don't like Christians but um, I like the way that you know in your books 
they're relatable people. They, you know, people know us who are not Christians, and they don't just write us off because we happen to have this faith of Christianity. But they see us as real people too. So hopefully, when they read your books, they'll realize that you know Christians are normal people too. Right. 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 We're talking with Terry Blackstock, uh, a New York Times bestselling author with uh, many books uh, under her under her belt, and um, we're really thrilled to have her with us today. Now, Terry, um, in your bio, you refer to yourself as somewhat of a prodigal daughter. Now, that's really interesting. Why Why would you refer to yourself that way? Well, because you know, I was I've been a Christian since. Well, I was raised in the church, but I really gave my life to Christ when I was about 14. And ever since, you know, I've been a Christian, but I kind of strayed off course when I got into the romance market. You know, and I'm not proud to say that, you know, in the interest of fame and fortune, I sort of, you know, compromised my Christianity. I really believe that's what I was doing. And, um, you know, so... When I came back, it was I was in my mid-30s when I actually uh, switched to the Christian market. And um, it was just such a, a coming home for me. I, even though I hadn't given up my Christianity, I had really kind of flatlined with it. You know, I hadn't grown in many years, and I was still in church, but I just wasn't. I, I had this compartment of my life that was really not acceptable you know mm-hmm. and um at least in my heart i felt it wasn't acceptable and you know when i finally was able to repent of that i felt so free and and god just really uh, enabled me then to to get into some bible studies where i i began learning the bible and and really learned what it what it is to be a strong Christian and to depend on on Christ for everything, and it was just such a a wonderful experience um, to to finally give everything up to God and know that He was going to take care of everything. And at the time, I was a single mom with two children, and um, I was divorced and and struggling, and so it was a real faith journey for me to to give up my you know my income that I knew was that I had because I had contracts on these books and um you know I had to pay back money to get out of them and and it was just a real faith step for me to come into the Christian market and so you know in many ways I was a prodigal coming home so I understand prodigals <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, it's really admirable. No matter what your one's beliefs are, um, for somebody to to really put their the principles and the things they believe in into action, and and so to speak, to, to put their money where their mouth is, um, and in the fact that you actually were willing to re, you know give up the career, give up the the money, and even return the advanced money because you, yes. you know, your principles, you wanted to be consistent with your principles, and I I think this is one of the things that people are looking for in Christians or politicians or anybody. They, right. they want to see consistency, not hypocrisy, and, exactly. and live out in a way that is significant, that it matters. So what a great testimony. Um, and let say. me correct one thing. I said that I was a single mom with two kids, and actually at the at the time when I uh, switched to the Christian market, I, I had been married a year uh, to my current husband, Ken, who's wonderful, and um, but but what I meant was that 
while I was struggling with the idea of doing this, I was a single mom before I married him, and and it was very hard, you know, because I had to support the the kids. But um, anyway, I I kind of got off track with that. Sorry. Uh, no, but thank you for clarifying that. It yeah. makes it much more uh, clear that you know, for those who who do share our faith, that you know, when you when you can give up things that you really know that you shouldn't or don't want to keep because of you know, to be consistent with your faith. Um, and when you give that up uh, to honor God, he rewards you and, and, and gives That's you the right. life that you were created to have and, and meant. And, and I, I can sense from the way you speak about it and also from all your, your huge success that this is not just a job for you, but this is a calling. Would that be an accurate statement? Oh, absolutely. It sure is. And I, I think about that every day when I get up. Um it definitely is a calling, you know, and that's what's so different from my earlier career because it wasn't a calling before. It was just a job, and, you know, I I experienced burnout, and I really sometimes I would think, you know, these books are on the shelves for a month or so, mm-hmm. you know, and then they're gone, and who cares what, you know, all the blood, sweat, and tears I put into these stories. Um, it just felt useless, you know, and I just knew that that wasn't what God had gifted me for. Wow, and now you're writing books that, uh, as people are writing to you, they're, they're touching and changing lives. Right, and, and and you know, that's what we're here for. That's what Christians are supposed to do. We're supposed to bear fruit, and we're supposed to point people to Jesus, and and that's what I try to do, but I, I try not to hit people over the head with it. You know, I have to work it into the story um, in a real way, you know, I don't just have people dropping to their knees or quoting scripture just out of the blue. You know, I have to really work the the whole worldview into the fabric of the story. And I certainly, you know, my personal wish is that um, those media targets, you know, the, the, the a handful or a small pocket of of the so so called Christian community that gets all this negative media attention by uh, you know, spewing a lot of hateful language and things that are not really representative, or not right. at all representative of Jesus and His teaching of of forgiveness and grace and love and acceptance. Um, that they wouldn't become for the, the rest of the world the face of Christianity because um, any more than say somebody and I hate to get so specific, but like say somebody from the Ku Klux Klan would represent right. all of the you know maybe the, every Caucasian person in the United States. It just wouldn't fit yet right. somehow because of the media and because of people's desire to want to be combative uh they have become it so i you know i really wish that people would give a chance to to see read books like yours and, and find out more that you know we are not that kind of people right so. and more and more people are you know it's the fact that the that my uh two of my recent books were new york times bestsellers that was shocking, uh, you know, because when I came to the Christian market, I really thought I was, uh, you know, I had a much smaller market. And to sh- that just shows that God is getting these books into the hands of lots of people. And, um, you know, these, uh, it's just, it's, it's something that I'd never expected, but it's just such a, a wonderful blessing that, um, God is using them. He's getting them into the hands of the people he wants to read them. And that's great because I think uh, people all over need the, the message of hope and need the message right. of 
that that there is something out there, someone out there, uh, where they, we can depend on rather than just our own strength. Because if historically we look at the history, uh, the entire world's history, we we can see that you know trying to depend on human goodness alone or human efforts, you know, ultimately leads us back into this cycle of you know destruction. So, right. and speaking of cycle of de- destruction, um, your li- latest series, uh, the Interventionist series, deals with the issue of drug addiction, since we're talking about, like, destructive cycles. Now, right. you know, you've written quite a few books in this one, and I understand that this has some pers- personal significance in your life. Um, is there something you could talk to us about? It sure does. Um, years, uh, Several years ago, we discovered that my daughter, who was um, about 21 at the time, uh, had become a severe drug addict. And um, we knew there were some problems in her life, but she had been in college and, and she had struggled some with depression. And um, But, you know, eventually we, we discovered that she had started using um, painkillers and she was literally taking up to 65 a day. And uh, she was, you know, she was going to die. So we started a journey trying to get her help and it has lasted for many years and um, probably a whole decade by now. And, um, you know, we, we have up times and, and down times, and as any family with uh, addictions knows, it's, it's not, there's not always an, a clear-cut ending to it. So, you know, my daughter still needs prayer. But um, we... I decided to write the intervention series because I was learning so much about addiction and about rehabs and um and all the the fraud and and just the the bad rehabs out there that really take advantage of people and I decided that I wanted to write about it and hopefully help people and also tell the story of those families that are struggling with this and um with my daughter's blessing, I wrote Intervention, and then Vicious Cycle, and most recently, Downfall. Uh, so those are the three books in the series, and all three are available. Um, they're all done and out. And, um, you know, the, I get letters now from family members and from addicts themselves who have given their lives to Christ and, and turned around um, the books are really impacting people. So, you know, there are times when I look at what happened to us and I think, well, it was for a purpose. You know, God is using it, even though it was very painful and uh, still is sometimes. Um, you know, God was, has been able to comfort uh, people through it and, and to sort of show them the way through our experiences. And the books are fiction, Um but you know they definitely uh the the mother in the books barbara really is the the character that i've written that is cl- closest to me and you know i really poured my emotions into that character and and uh, all the experiences that we had um dealing with our daughter well wow, what a powerful story and you know it it seems to Err on the side of oversimplifying it just for a moment, um, as a, at least from the point of view of, of a writer, since this is a, a show about writers and publishing and that type of thing. That 
um, you write what you know. But it's not just because it's a, a device for writing, but it's because you can speak with authority on something that you've actually right. experienced. And, and you know, um, I, I've written certain things based on my experience of uh, having been on, lost my job and gone through the the difficulties of unemployment. In, in one of my books, I actually detailed out a lot of the um, same steps I went through when my mother passed away, and you know, the, the the funeral, the burial, down to some of the details were verbatim. Um, and right. it, 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 I wasn't just using those, exploiting those experiences, but I was able to draw from my genuine uh, emotional reaction exactly. to it, spiritual cathartic reaction to it, and put it in there. And I, I think that's what gives you. Uh, gives us as writers a certain amount of authority because we can say we know what it's like. And That's then it true. Helps, and yeah, and even even before I wrote the intervention series, and it, it was many years before I could actually talk about this publicly, but, um, you know, even before that, I, like my restoration series, for example, I wrote a lot about unanswered prayer or the what seems to be unanswered prayer or, you know, people grieving parents and you know i was pouring those emotions into those situations even though i wasn't using the drug addiction angle um and so it was very therapeutic for me when i finally wrote about drug addiction and um you know in the first book intervention um barbara the mother hires an interventionist for her daughter and um when they go off to treatment the interventionist is murdered and the daughter vanishes and Barbara has to go looking for her daughter and she's not sure if she killed her or if she's been kidnapped or what happened. So, um, you know, that never really happened in our lives, but we did have an intervention. We had two or three interventions actually very similar to the one at the beginning of the book. And, um, you know, so I was able to use some of those things and, you know, our writers' minds are funny. <laughs> we, when we're going through a crisis, we we always seem to be taking notes somewhere, <laughs> taking oh, yeah. mental notes, and thinking, you know, how would I describe what I'm feeling right now? And um, we sort of put that away for future use, you know. And and so that's kind of what I did for for all those years, and and until I finally. Uh, was able to write that series, it's and it wasn't it wasn't fun. It was painful to write, yeah. and and when I finished it, I was very relieved. Um, but I I would do it all over again because it it really has impacted people. It's funny how you mentioned the writer's mind right away, and I'm sure any of our listeners who are, are professional writers, you know, we'd be nodding our heads saying that's exactly what it's like for us. It's impossible. Yes. Um, to, you know, if you're with a writer and you're not a writer, you know the writer stare when they're thinking about something. Exactly. <laughs> I actually know two professional writers um, who, who when they one of them, you know, something happened and they had to go to the hospital, um, the husband and wife, they were talking to each other, are you taking notes? This is what they do when, you know, they have to put the catheter in. or the Right, catheter. right. They're actually yes. taking notes because they, you know, but, you know, on the more serious side of that, because you're able to do that, then you can actually write something. Um, and like you said, it, it was painful and you need to transfer that. But you know how when you're in a, in a uh, support group, most of the times people are talking about a common experience. And to hear somebody else say, I've been through that, 
right away helps you because you know you're not alone. And I think this is what you're doing in your books. Um, you know, God allowed you to go through these not just so that to, to torment your life, but I'm sure that as a result your whole family became stronger. But not only that, now when people read the books, people who have been through this or know people who have been going through these type of things can nod their head and feel the, the way they would in a support group that I'm not alone. Somebody yes, understand. and they feel touched by God. You know, I got a letter just yesterday from a mother who said, you know, that she just felt that God sort of hugged her when, when he led her to this book because, you know, it it was a way of, of God saying, I understand your pain and here's someone else who understands your pain and, you know, they she really related to the books. And, and I had one person uh, just this week who wrote me and said that, uh, they had gotten the most support, the most support and understanding of addiction that they'd ever gotten was from reading these books. So, uh, you wow. know, I just thought that's who would think that 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 would uh, the books would do that because I'm not that great a marketer. You know, it's not about brilliant marketing. It's just about writing what was on my heart. Yeah. Well, that's a testimony also to. Um, you know, the power of God, because I, I don't think when the people who, uh, who were writing the Bible ever thought that this would become the number one bestseller of all time. Oh, absolutely. They were just yeah. writing from the inspiration, uh, and the divine inspiration from the experiences of witnessing with their own eyes what Jesus did and retelling what he said. It's the power of of, uh, of truth, and even if it's told in, in fiction. I mean, I, I always think about... The, the, Jesus was one of the greatest writers there is because he he told these great fictional stories. Uh, oh in his yes, parables, right, and and because oh, of that, yes. he said, lives were touched. Right, he said, you know, instead of preaching a sermon, Jesus said there was once a man who had two sons. Mm-hmm. And you know, I get goosebumps when I hear that because immediately his audience uh, was putting themselves in the skin of one of those two sons. You know, yeah. and. Um, people related and when you relate that way emotionally you never forget the point you never forget that lesson and um i just think you know if i can be like christ and use fiction to really make people feel things emotionally and experience them emotionally um then you know what greater job is there <laughs> you know it's just a it's just a blessing to do this every day i, I totally echo what you say i mean uh because that's a, for me as a writer I, i'm not at the place where you are right now yet but that's it is my mission and calling i think to, to do just what what you're talking about there um so now um in the last couple of minutes we have uh in terms of your books what can readers look forward to in the near or distant future well, I've just finished uh, the first book in a new series, which is called the Moonlighters series. And the first book is called Truth Stained Lies. And it will be out in February. And um, it's, a, it's a book, the series is based on um, three sisters, uh, a blogger, a stay-at-home mom, and a taxi driver who, um, who have to moonlight as private investigators to solve some murders related to their family. And um, it's just these three sisters are just really fun for me (laughs) because they're so different, yet they love each other so much and they're really trying to to get their, their brother off the hook for a murder that he's been accused of. 
and um, it's it's a, a kind of one of those uh, books where nothing is as it seems. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So it's been really fun to write. And um, well, if people want to follow, you know, you know, get updates about when books are being released and all, they can go to my website or uh, and they can sign up for updates or they can follow me on Facebook. Um, I think my Facebook is uh, T. Blackstock. So uh, they can find me pretty easily there. Excellent. Well, Terry Blackstock, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an honor and a pleasure having you on, on the show, and we really hope maybe you'll come back another time to join us. Oh, I hope so. Thank you, Joshua. It was okay. fun. We'll talk again. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye now. Well, we'd really like to thank all our listeners for joining us today on Dialogue Between the Lines. We were just speaking with the New York Times award-winning, best-selling author, Terry Blackstock, and uh, what a great story and testimony she gave, uh, not just about her, her writing career, but her, own, but just her personal life, and uh, just and her books are wonderful. I've, I've read some of them myself, and uh, not only has she written romance books in the past, but she's, she's really right now, she's a uh, suspense and thriller writer and um, won many awards, and when you read her books, you'll see just how deserving and why she won those awards. Um, you can also, I just want to reiterate her web uh, address for her website. It's www.terryblackstock.com, and it's spelled T-E-R-R-I-B-L-A-C-K-S-T-O-C-K.com, terryblackstock.com. You can read about uh, her um, current books, her schedule of releases and things that are coming up, and um, and from there you'll be able to get to her social uh, network uh, sites as well, um, Twitter, Facebook, and that type of thing. So please go and check out her books. She's the, written the Intervention Series, among several others. You can read all about that at her website as well. A podcast of this broadcast, of this particular episode, will be available right here at www.blogtalkradio.com, blogtalkradio.com forward slash dialogue. And I'd also like to invite you to connect with us once again at our own website, which is www.dialogbtl. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time or 1 p.m. Eastern Time as we interview other illustrious authors and publishing industry professionals. So until next time, this is Joshua Graham for Dialogue Between the Lines. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.